finding our website and all the things it does. We are in the process of revamping that website and you're going to find it much more convenient, especially to find uh, products and resources and podcasts in a category, one of the four categories that we've been teaching for decades now. Who you are as a woman, who you are as a wife, who you are as a mother, and who you are as a homemaker. I haven't told that story in a while, but 35 years or so ago, I was called and asked to do some mentoring for a few women. And I said no, just as quick as I could say it, no. And I was very justified in it. I was too young to be mentoring anybody. And what did I know? It's an interesting thing because now I'm too old. <laughs> Not really. You're never too old to mentor. But I still don't know anything. The reality that we are always in the process of learning and growing and becoming and recognizing how beloved we are is ongoing. But it took me many months, almost a year, to recognize that God was calling me to do this, and so we began. And we began not long after I had gone to the Titus 2 passage, which is a very familiar passage when it comes to women and women's ministries and helping women share each other's life. It's kind of a great story because Titus is one of Paul's disciples and Titus has gone off to the island of Crete where he has a congregation church and now he's a young pastor but he's not stupid and suddenly he recognizes that the older women in his congregation, I think I should do a little research on that these days. I wonder what older was in those days. You know, probably in their 45s. Certainly not the longevity that we have in our culture. There'll be more centurions next year than ever on the face of the earth. That's quite a remarkable centurion, 100 years old. My maiden name was Shantande Centani, which stands for a century. So that's a very familiar word to me. At any rate, the older women were done. They raised their children, they had cleaned their houses, their marriages were settled, and they began gossiping and drinking in the afternoon. Now, some days that sounds like a great idea, doesn't it? I'm just going to hang out and uh, sip some iced tea or wine if I drink it, and talk at my friends about nothing, gossipy things. But God knew better, and so did Titus, and he sends a letter to Paul, and he says, I don't know what to do with them. And Paul writes back, and he describes to Titus that he should teach the older women how to teach the younger women. And those are the four categories. How to be a woman of faith, and there are a number of adjectives listed there, Titus 2, chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, and then how to be a wife. I used to love to say, you could walk down the aisle with a bride beaming at her husband-to-be at the altar in her beautiful white gown, waiting, 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 and you could say, 
honey, let's just move into the other room. I'm going to teach you how to love your husband. And she would say, well, I love him. I know I love him. Now, six months later, you're much more able to teach that young bride or to talk to her about these subjects. So Paul was admonishing admonishing um, Titus to help the older women. How to be a woman, how to be a wife, how to be a mother, and how to be the keeper of her home. So we will organize and reorganize our materials that will make them easier for you to find in one of those subjects or another. Well, today I just wanted to reflect. This is a time after Easter when there's a lot of reflection on the 40 days of preparation. We move into and we'll do a few uh, lessons just now in this coming weeks out of the book of Acts because that's what happened in some historical order. Jesus came to Jerusalem. He was tried and executed and risen. And then the disciples went everywhere and then they came back and the first church happened, the book of Acts. And the very beautiful illustrations in the book of Acts which would help us understand a bit more about what church is or should be. So I wanted to talk about Jesus who built this community. He built this community while he was here on earth. And if I were across the table from you, I would say, who was Jesus's community? Oh, who was Jesus's inner circle? And you would all say the disciples. But who else was in his community? Who do we hear him in the Gospels talking about? Well, he has the disciples, certainly. And Peter's mother-in-law, and Mary, and Martha, and there was Lazarus, and the other Mary. There were people in his community that he spent time with. He was comfortable with them. He was encouraged by them. He received something from them, and they received something from him. And sometimes the dinner in Bethany that was served just the night before Jesus leaves Bethany and comes into Jerusalem, Palm Sunday, we celebrate, coming down the road into from the hill, and I've been the privilege of being there. It's a little rise. And at the top of that rise, there's a path that comes down the hill. Not like the Crooked Street in uh, San Francisco, but certainly windy. So he left Bethany. What was he doing in Bethany? Well, he was having a supper there. It was six days before the Passover, and Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. What kind of a dinner was that? What a lovely picture. Jesus receives an invitation. He, he comes together to be with them. 
they are loving and vulnerable. He is loving and vulnerable. He is himself as much as he can be himself. And before going to Jerusalem, which he knows, you know, he says to them, you can't go with me and you can't understand and someday you will understand. Doesn't that make you annoyed when someone says that to you? Like, not now, honey. When You, you can get that later. You'll figure this out. Not now. And I think the disciples were so dear to follow him, not knowing, but having lived with him and believed with him and saw his love of community, which became the church, which became the first church. So before going to Jerusalem, for the last time in the long days that he knew, he sought his friends in Bethany. And Martha serves, and that's just fine. And the resurrected Lazarus seems to be quiet. And Mary's again at Jesus' feet, this time anointing them. And we know that from Scripture that Judas protests, saying this is very expensive and, and we should take care of the poor with it and not blow this money on Jesus. It's kind of an ethical point. I'm not siding with Judas, but I think I might have been one of those voices. Wait a minute, I've been pinching my pennies to give to the poor, and now you're taking all of this expensive fragrance and you're pouring it out, just dumping it out. Well, scholars tell us that the fragrance of the perfume was so powerful that no doubt Jesus' feet probably smelled of that perfume when his feet were pierced five days later. Mm. You know, they weren't jumping in the shower like we do. And the ointment was very precious and thick and powerful and fragrant, and it filled the house. And I think it probably filled his soul. So today I want to say to you, this Last Supper reveals with his friends Yes, the disciples were his friends also. But this Last Supper at Mary and Martha and Lazarus' house, this spilling of the oil, this fragrant time, I have quite a vision of what I think they must have been like, embracing and talking and eating and laughing. Jesus is the only one who knows what's about to come. And I think I'm not a very good receiver. Some of you who have been listening to us for many years remember the year that I took that as a goal. The goal was to be a better receiver, and I developed the giving-receiving circle. And if I gave all the way around to half, then I have to receive from half all the way to the end. I don't know. I learned a lot that year, but I still think that I'm weak on the receiving and strong on the giving. It seems easier for me to do that than to receive. And I see this posture, this position, the way Jesus receives, the way he wants to be with this community, break bread with them, laugh with them, spend the last night and head into Jerusalem for what he knew would be an ominous time. Ominous times in our culture are quite frequent, aren't they? We watch the Ukraine war go on, and I know you are like I am. My heart bursts. I said to my husband, why don't we go and help? Couldn't we go and help? And he said, honey, what could we do? And I said, oh, I don't know. Maybe we could just 
be like Mother Teresa and hold someone's hand before they pass. I, I just want to go. I want to help. I, I want to give. But I also am certain that in this time, a lot of us feel much like Jesus felt, heading into doom, heading into a dark time. And I want you to know that in this picture of Jesus, we see his preparation with his community. And I'm going to talk the next time we're together a little bit about two items that will help community be community. But Jesus had this community. It wasn't just his disciples who had come to follow him. There were many others. And he went to be with them in his last hours. I hope that you have a community like that. I hope you're building a community like that. Community matters to Christ. He modeled it and has encouraged us to do it. We are Modern Homemakers, and I'm Donna Otto. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of initiating in community.